So this past week, I read that EA uh, has decided to give the freedom to their studios uh, to take control of the future of their respective franchises. Did you read this? Oh yeah, yeah. I heard. I heard about this. You're talking about respawn specifically. Yeah. That's that's the one that caught my eye. I don't care about other EA. <laughs> yeah, they had brought up a uh, Titanfall. You know, so I think this is kind of like them. I don't. I don't know. Like, it sounds legit in in a caring way. Like the studio head was saying, oh, we're just going to give them freedom to do all this. But it also kind of sounds like they're they're walking back on their responsibility as to why we haven't seen any of this stuff that we wanted. I don't know how to really take it. Definitely a PR move. It was a weird article to hear because it I don't know if it's like EA is sort of a lot of times thought of as like this evil company that, you know, is responsible for all and every loot box scenario that sucks and so and you know they're they're suppressing some of these other big franchises or big sequels that you know people want to see but this is them announcing like oh no it's up to up to respawn to give you titanfall 3 or not it you know it's whatever they want to do but it's i don't know if it's like respawn is kind of like well you know we've got we're moving into a different direction at this point titanfall never was like that big of a seller or, you know, maybe it does have hype now and EA is kind of like, let's make this thing. It's, it's hard to tell which side is, is really, you know, responsible at this point. And then what, you know, EA is trying to do with this, like, you know, they're trying to like play the good guy almost, you know, like, and so that, like you're saying, a sort of like this PR move. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it sounds pretty shady right off the start <laughs> for me. Um, <laughs> But regardless, if it worked out, if it works out well, awesome. Hopefully we'll see some of those franchises we want return. But at this point, that means that as of right now, we wouldn't see anything for, you know, three years from now. If the all of a sudden respawns like, yes, we can make Titanfall 3. Well, let's get started. You know, it's a little too late for that. But I wondered if the success of Apex Legends and the way in which they addressed the release, and it was totally under the radar, nobody even knew about it, it just launched. And I feel like EA probably didn't like that approach, but having given Respawn the opportunity to go through with, with their plan in their secretive way, if they're like, okay, maybe, maybe these guys are right, <laughs> maybe we should let them have a little more freedom to decide how this works out. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that distribution happens or those decisions happens if it's EA working with Respawn or if it's Respawn's idea or not. But that they also saw a lot of success with the Star Wars game, too. So I'm sure they're going to want to push for a sequel to that um, to that game. Right. I'm that only thinking. To... Yeah, I'm <laughs> only thinking of Respawn here. I can't think of other yeah. umbrellas, you know, other games that are under the EA umbrella. But. Right, because EA is still in charge. Well, yeah, I don't know how that works. Like with Battlefield, Battlefield, yeah, yeah, they have a lot of games, though. The, yeah, the studio had the article I read. She was referencing Battlefront, uh, the Star Wars game, because they did like when they launched it. There was so much kickback and hate for it, but then they let the developer kind of grow it from there, and it has. I I guess I haven't played it in a while, but it turned into a. Uh, a much better game because they just let the developer do it and they stepped back. But 
that yeah like the idea of oh hey respawn is allowed to make titanfall 3 however we have them on this ongoing apex game and then we also have them on our good star wars game so like when are they gonna have time to do titanfall 3 what's the name of the respawn star wars game the jedi fallen jedi yeah that one, yeah. yeah i don't know i like what respawn does so whatever they do in the future i'll probably be playing it so and wait, yeah, what's the story? What is Respawn? Respawn was one of the developers or the creators of Call of Duty, wasn't it? Two of them. Like they did Modern Warfare, wasn't it? Yeah, th- yeah. Two of them were on there for a long time, and I think they didn't want to um, keep uh, making those games over and over, so they separated and created their own company and they brought Titanfall, which was one of the best games franchises ever. So hopefully, we will see a third one, and now Apex. But you you got anything? No, no, that's that's it for me. All right. Well, one other big item is that this week is our twentieth episode of the podcast. So we're going to be talking about the season finale of Wandavision, and also talk about the idea of uh, reboots and remakes and revivals of beloved movies and such in Hollywood and how that's been a thing uh, pretty pretty heavily used in the past decade at least. That's coming up on Socially Impaired with Devin and Andy. Yeah, so WandaVision wrapped up its uh, series finale on Friday, and the episode is actually called the series finale, right? Like, <laughs> I, I was I was looking it up, and I'm like, wait, is that a what is? Okay, yeah, that's the title. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so they had, um, they wrapped up, uh, I think mostly everything, and then left some more things open, very marvelish. But th- do you think that um, they're gonna do? another season of this or is it actually because it's series finale not season finale is the title yeah the boys keep asking me this too is there going to be another one and no i don't think so i think it's a one-shot series uh do you want another one or are you satisfied with it being you know the one season uh i think i'm satisfied just knowing that they've set her up to be a kind of a which i was actually bringing up later but uh I, I almost feel like maybe Wanda is going to be kind of the new Iron Man of the new MCU, as in she's going to be in a bunch of different movies. Because <laughs> I've already heard Doctor Strange, Thor, uh, well, those, I, someone said Captain Marvel, but I don't, I don't believe that she's in Captain Marvel too, but she might be. But I feel like she's going to be more of a part of the new series of movies, so I'm happy having this kind of more of an origin series wrapped up and now i'll see her more on the big screen mm-hmm. so um what do you think of the series finale then what did it, did it wrap it up nice for you did was it a good episode was uh i don't know yeah. what do you think first uh disney is full of crap because <laughs> they're sitting there marketing and toting like oh catch the hour-long series finale of wandavision that ain't no hour long first of all on the ticker it was only like 48 minutes and on top of that, it was really only, what, 35 minutes? <laughs> I didn't even that's pay a, attention to it. Yeah, I'll have to really time it, but it was no hour-long season finale. So, 
Uh, they did say it was going to be longer, so that's fine. But I thought they said like the last two or three were supposed to be an hour, but it doesn't seem like that was the case. They're definitely counting the length of the 15 minute credits at the end. Uh, overall, yeah, I, I think it wrapped up nicely. Seeing her transform into the Scarlet Witch and having that new beautiful costume, it was great. It was <laughs> awesome. I think um, I was probably. You sound kind of enthused about it. I, I kind of, I kind of feel like after watching the last episode, it was, it was, it was fine, right? Like it was. It, I enjoyed watching the series, and uh, I think the the same thing with the the final episode. I enjoyed watching it while it was on, but when I start to think about some of the stuff that happens throughout the um, nine episodes and in the final episode, I'm kind of like, oh, okay, that's kind of a weird choice. But let's get into that, I guess, because. That's where <laughs> that's where the fun part is, I think. Yeah, that's like hard to I mean, yeah, think of the entire series. Obviously, the show started off really slow and it was a very drawn out to have this specific uh the you know, episodic sit- sitcom type stuff and, and then it kind of wrapped up quickly. <laughs> so it, it was paced in a weird way, but I don't know. I, it's hard cuz I don't have a lot to compare it to because it's the first of its kind in the Marvel universe and stuff like that. So I'm not sure how they really approach it. Well, so um, I'm going to, I just want to zero in on something you just said there. Cause you thought you said it was like, it started slow and then they started to wrap it up very quickly. So you're talking about like pacing issues. Yeah. And this is kind of my biggest problem with the whole show. And that I really did like, um, you know, the, the sitcom influence. And I, I thought that was cool, but it kind of suffers from, you know, the, uh, this is this is like the J.J. Abrams mystery box thing where it's like, what is it? What is going on? And then when you open the box, it's like, yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> and so that that's why I feel like the pacing is feels weird because it's like, yeah, it, it, it's, you know, week to week. You're like, what's going on? What, who's going to show up? What's what does this mean? What does that mean? And then in the end, it's just like, yeah, it's it's about what we thought it was. <laughs> right? So it's <laughs> like, OK, um, maybe if that stuff was like a little bit clearer. It, it would have uh, hit better. And I was thinking about this in the sense of like, would I ever want to revisit this? And what would that mean? Because it feels weird to, to think about to revisit because you're like, well, you're taking all the mystery out then because you know exactly yeah. what happens. And so then you're looking at the structure and like the dramatic choices and like the dramatic impact. And that stuff's all really low. Like there's, there is some moments where I think it, there's, you know, some bits that really work. But like overall, I was just like, uh, I don't, okay, that, you know, that mystery box bullshit is, uh, there's, there's a reason why everyone sort of like is really excited about J.J. Abrams movies. And then when they watch them, they're like, well, that was fun, but I forgot everything that just fucking happened in it. <laughs> so that's kind of how I feel about this series and, and this episode in particular. So what happens, what happens, sorry, what, what happens during uh, episode nine? What's the. So we pick back up where. Agatha has the twins tied up by the neck uh, and fighting Wanda. And then Wanda has, you know, she's, she's no longer blocking, blocking her power. So they have a little scuffle and uh, the white vision shows up. The normal vision shows up. <laughs> Although I'll tell you like an emotional scene that's weird. Like in this episode for emotional, it's all Elizabeth Olsen. If it wasn't for her, then, all of it would have fallen flat. 
in my opinion, uh, her acting skills, I guess. But like the the part where White Vision comes up and like grabs her by the head, like I don't know, that looked crazy. <laughs> you know, there's some good sound effects there too. Yeah, and picking her up, and you could just tell that she's in distress or whatever. And the normal Vision, well, whatever, the other Vision comes and saves her, and so we got. White Vision and regular Vision, and then Agatha and Wanda fighting each other. Uh, so someone online called the White Vision um, uh, uh, Nega Vision, or from like yeah. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim, right? <laughs> I ne- thought that was Nega Scott. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and yeah, so they kind of go back and forth where they're fighting in that manner of visions versus visions and witches versus witches, and the twins were sent to their room. I thought that was funny. Go to your room, boys. And there was a little nod to like the Wizard of Oz when she knocked Agatha through a building and it was just her shoes like sitting under the car. I thought it was hilarious. I, I loved yeah. it. You know, then the uh, Agatha, I, I mean, it's part of it. Agatha gets the, the town to be normal and they're all telling Wanda that, you know, she's hurting them. And she doesn't realize that she's hurting them. So she starts to open up the portal and then the military comes in. And so it just brings everybody together into the dome to fight. And that's really only halfway through the episode. But we're talking. Okay. So Agatha and um, Wanda fighting. So I'm going to sort of separate that, (laughs) that part of the episode. Cause um, it was, it was like, it was a little weird, right? Cause I think this is the danger to me anyway, of showing magic on screen. And I know this sounds kind of weird because we're in the Marvel universe and it's just a bunch of made up bullshit. But I feel like magic in particular is a little bit tricky in that like when Wanda and Agatha are fighting, like I don't quite know the rules there. And I kept thinking about um, the, the Harry Potter series and how they did a really great job of setting up the rules of what the magic is in, in that series. But then this kind of felt like where, in your opinion, maybe differ from mine. But there's the uh, subsequent movies in the Harry Potter universe, the uh, Fantastic Beasts, like those two movies. Like there's a lot of magic in those movies where the rules they sort of just throw them out. Like they sort of assume that you know all of the rules built up in Harry Potter, but then there's all these new ones in there, and it just felt like a bunch of like you know, whiz bang pop on, on screen, right? Like it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Where in the Harry Potter movies, it's like, there's, it's a very structured set of rules for, for the magic. And I felt like in this last episode, you know, there, I, I didn't quite understand what was happening. And it's even like, um, Agatha, even at one point is like, yeah, I can suck out people's powers and take them. That's kind of my thing. It's like, oh, okay, I guess, okay, that, you're explaining exactly what your power is now, like in episode nine. Like, okay, <laughs> I feel like I should have learned that earlier. I know they sort of do it in an earlier episode where she sucks the eight uh, uh, witches' uh, powers, but it doesn't. It's not really clear what she's doing. So I, I just like that whole um, fight sequence was. Uh, I don't know. It's a little. It's a little weird. Yeah, it, it's definitely weird. With the, I mean, the only thing <laughs> different they even try to differentiate that she has purple magic and Wanda has red magic, but then she's sucking up Wanda's magic as red and taking away. And it was like, it was all just mixed up. So I didn't even know what was going on. I I don't know if they were actually being hurt or it was because (laughs) they were sucking power out or what. I don't know. You're right. It was, it was very 
odd. Like, as opposed to the vision vision fight, they're just punching each other. You know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to get to the vision fight because I think that was um, one of the highlights for me in the series. But just uh, one more comment on the uh, Agatha Wanda fight was like what you're saying is, is like you, you weren't sure. Um, you know, they're, they're shooting at each other, but like Agatha like, seems to suck some of uh, Wanda's power out. But then as the fight goes on, Wanda just is getting more and more powerful. Like, I don't know if it's a testament to how powerful Wanda is, but it's like, I don't like Agatha's, it seems to have no effect when she's taking away power. Like in the other ones, like it she almost like instantly takes away all, you know, the witch's powers and they sort of like crumble to the skeletons almost. And it's like, okay. It's just pretty uneven fight. Yeah. I mean, Agatha didn't really understand her overall power. She just knows that she's a Scarlet Witch, the Chaos Witch, and it's too powerful. And I don't know, it's, you know, later on when she thinks that she sucked it all out and finds out she really didn't. But um, that goes to, you know, Wanda's or Scarlet, we have Wanda Maximoff's character, now Scarlet Witch. Uh, There was like an interview I was watching recently with Elizabeth Olsen and Anthony Mackie and he was they were being questioned about all the stunts like oh you're in a superhero movie you got all these stunts to do and Anthony Mackie was like some of us (laughs) and he's like joking to the fact that Scarlet's character is not really physical in a lot of these movies so I mean in this episode she was more so than in any other movie that we've seen her in but that is the weirdness of the magic and the witch she flies yeah, I mean, all she's just sitting there waving her hands around and shooting plasma and crap at people, and she doesn't. So it's different than what we're going to go into about the visions, physical fight. Well, that, that's the joke too with uh, um, Iron Man in Robert Downey Jr. He's he's always like, "Yeah, when you see me on screen, it's me, but when you see the suit, it's not me." Like he doesn't have to. He's like, "That was on purpose. I don't yeah. have to do all that grueling action sequences." It's so yeah. hilarious because he's like the, you know, he's like the biggest star in the Marvel. Like he gets paid the most, and he like probably does the least. Yeah, and he yeah when he's when you see him in the helmet of Iron Man, I remember him talking about hating that because you just sit there in front of a camera, like you know, so <laughs> close, and that's how he films it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then the 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 vision fight the. I I already said the the Niga vision and then the other vision I was just calling calling Wanda vision because Wanda created that one so yeah. those two those two fight what uh, I I really I did like this this sequence in this in this uh, episode so you're talking about liking this because you know there's like the, the physicality of these two going at each other which they do for a brief moment and it's kind of cool because uh, the white vision is sort of like this it, it, it's almost like this. Uh, faceless version of the vision right like it, he only has one goal and that's to take out the uh the other vision the the, the wanda vision and it um it's, it's kind of a cool matchup because you know vision uh, is is a pretty powerful character but then it very quickly moves to uh the indoors into the library sequence and the way that they sort of come to terms or battle it out is that is the thought experiment and i thought that was like really cool and it really made sense because they're both two very intelligent beings. Yeah, that's what I thought in the beginning when they started fighting. I'm like, how is anyone going to win this? Because they're legit the same, yeah. both same power and all that kind of stuff. So it did. It was cool that it did come down to, you know, knowledge and and thought. Yeah, the ship of Theseus, right? That was the 
yeah. experiment. Philosophy. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool because I thought there was really clever um, makeup of that scene too because it takes place outside and they're doing the fisticuffs, but then when they go inside to have the uh, the thought experiment battle, it's inside of a library, which I think is the same library that uh, Vision originally went to for the um, like neighborhood watch. I think that's where they first met for yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty clever um, callback to an earlier episode. So everything sort of takes place and is resolved inside the library. The library of knowledge fixes everything. In one of our previous episodes, I was talking about how I thought they were going to merge together in a way, which I was thinking at that time. I'm like, oh, it's about to happen. And it kind of did, but not really, because right. he just unlocked his memories. But then I thought, all right, if, if WandaVision unlocked Megavision's <laughs> memories, then wouldn't he become Vision? I mean... If he's got all the memories of loving Wanda and all that stuff, then wouldn't he just essentially turn into him? So that's remains to be seen because after this scene, he just says, right? He says, I am the vision and then takes off. Is that correct? Yeah, he said, I think he says, I am, yeah, I am vision. I don't remember him saying I am the vision, but yeah, right, yeah. I am vision. So he's gone. We'll find out later. So vision will just return as vision. And I, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, right, he's white vision now, but as we found out when vision was first created, is he kind of can change, and obviously, he could change into human form. So, I assume at one point he'll change into normal vision. Now, um, yeah, now that his, his uh, memory is unlocked, he can probably do all that stuff again. Yeah, and then we go back to her beating Agatha. Where, you know, they make it seem like Agatha is actually winning, but Wanda was being tricky and put runes all over the don't or the hex and essentially made Agatha useless and won and became Scarlet Witch. Yeah, I think that moment was probably the um, only moment for Wanda and Agatha fight that made any sense. Because I knew the rules then, right? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's how you do it, right? Like this other stuff beforehand made no sense, but I, I did like that moment. Yeah, but then the problem is because after the fact, she right Agatha's saying, "Oh, you're gonna send me to jail," and she's like, "No, you're gonna stay here and play that nosy neighbor role," and she kind of imprisons her in her mind in a way to be the nosy neighbor. But in order for that hex to work and her not to have magic and all that, wouldn't the wouldn't the hex have to stay? <laughs> so. She implying that the dome and the hex is going to stay there and keep Agatha there. I don't. I didn't really get yeah. that. Yeah. Again, the rules not not that clear to me. This this yeah. is my problem with it. Yeah. Not sure on that one. But I, I did have a problem with the, the the it's sort of the messaging there with the sequence that you're talking about where she's imprisoning the bad guy because in, earlier in this series it was sort of it was um uh, they described how Wanda was um causing pain to the people that she was controlling, right? So it's a, you know, she's like torturing them. And even in this episode, it was weird because um, after like some of the, after, you know, the, the resolution happens with the battling, it, the, like all the townspeople are sort of walking around and, and watching, like sort of staring at Wanda. And I, I forget if Monica says this or, or Wanda says it, but, some, you know, something along the lines of they'll never understand like what I had sacrificed or what you had sacrificed. And this yeah. was like, uh, yeah, that doesn't make fucking sense. Like you're just sort of running over the fact that she was torturing them, right? And then, yeah. 
And so like, and so then the, um, you know, having the main villain, it's like, oh yeah, it's okay. You know, cause she's the villain. So we can put her back in the torture chamber. And it's like, that's not, yeah, that's not cool. Right. Like that doesn't, that right. doesn't really like, that's a villain right to me. Right. Like that, that's, yeah. that's, that's kind of weird. And it, um, I'm sort of, I watched this other movie earlier this week and it was all about the U.S.'s, the U.S.'s involvement in uh, torture in and at uh, Guantanamo Bay and how, you know, the whole, the whole premise is how it's not good, right? The tor- torturing any human is not good. And so I was really thinking about that during this sequence and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is not cool, Wanda. Like, what the hell? <laughs> like, <laughs> we're just going to like, you know, the, the, the show's resolved and Wanda's going on to, to learn how to be the Scarlet Witch, but we're going to overlook that she tortured all these people and is still torturing somebody like, okay, that's, that's not cool. Right. It doesn't seem like they tried to vindicate her for any of that. And I had thought the whole time that definitely, I mean, first of all, she didn't know she was hurting them. Like everything we saw throughout the series was really vision seeing that she was hurting them and Agatha lying. And then obviously in this episode, Agatha showed Wanda their pain. Right. Yeah. So that's I do why, believe that she didn't know. But, yeah, but then she puts Agatha back correct. in. Yeah. No, I know. No, <laughs> okay. I agree with that. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, this whole ending is is totally weird. Like okay. <laughs> starting with earlier on in the episode, she she does release them all and she's like, Go run. Like I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna set you free. And she's taking down the hex. But then Vision and the twins are disappearing. But they all did run away. So why were they all back in the town center when at the end of the show? Was, I thought that was weird. I don't. Did they not make it out? I don't. I mean, even if I they didn't, remember. why did they come back to the town center? But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I was given freedom to run away, I would still run away to a different part of the hex, not just come back to where the fight was. But so yeah, that was definitely odd. And they in the end of the show, they certainly did not vindicate. And Monica was kind of being like. Yeah, given your powers and stuff, I would probably do something different or something similar to get my mother back, which again is still wrong. And then also saying that they won't know what you sacrificed. What did Wanda sacrifice? I thought I missed something. I I thought I was like, what does that mean? No, they. they, I don't know if the writers or whatever actually like this is the way I'm taking it. That's I don't know. That's selfish comment. She didn't sacrifice anything because she created all this mess. The twins didn't exist. Vision was already dead. This town, you know, she did all of it. So what did she sack? What did she do? Nothing. Yeah, she put it back to the way it was with some mental trauma for all the citizens that lived there. Yeah. So they're certainly not trying to play her off as actually being a hero still. She's still, it, it still ended, I believe, as a gray hero part. And even when she's talking to Monica and she walked past all the citizens, and then with Monica, she said something like, sorry, or, you know, she apologized in some way, but it's like, dude, why don't you turn around and apologize to people you actually mess with, you know? Yeah. So that was weird, but I don't care. I still like her. <laughs> I like great heroes. Well, I, I do too, but like her motivations make no fucking sense. And this is where, this is why I don't, I don't consider her a very strong character in the MCU. Like I, I, I like her in vision on screen, but like, I don't know, them separate, like it just doesn't seem to work for me. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite. I was never a fan of her and Vision's relationship. I, I think that this was kind of a, of going into our next topic in a little bit, is this is a reboot of the Scarlet Witch character. 
and they've taken us back as a semi-origin story, and they've laid to rest what took place in, in Infinity Saga with her, made her into the Scarlet Witch, and now is going to move her forward, so I think she's going to become a stronger character and make amends. And they've kind of played her off like that in the movies, you know, she's the one that killed all those people in Laos because of her power, and she started as a villain in a way. So she definitely has a more complex story arc in that regard. It was much more interesting in Age of Ultron. Um, I was pretty annoyed and disappointed too that like Agent Wu, Darcy, Monica, Quicksilver, and even the one of the villains, I guess, in this Hayward, they don't really do anything in this. Like in Monica, especially, like I was like, okay, so she fought like tooth and nail to get back in the hex. When she's in there, what the fuck did she do? Like, it's, it's like, why did she get in there? Like, it, she had no, like, relevance to the outcome of, of what happens inside there. And I was just like, what the fuck? You just, like, w- wasted everything that, you know, you were trying to set up with Monica. Like, it, it made no sense. Yeah, this is, in, in the end, now we know that Monica is really there as a character set up for the future. Yeah, it's fucking dumb. Yeah, didn't play a huge role. This is how she got her power. Now we don't have to waste her time introducing her in the next movie she's going to be in. So yeah, it's pretty. I was pretty annoyed at all about at all that. They still gave Darcy a huge part. I loved it. <laughs> she's like, have time or have fun in jail or what you know, whatever she said. But that was hilarious when she came and took down the sword guy. And I think I was too annoyed that she got about two seconds of screen time after being a critical character. Early on, at least I thought she was a critical character. Yeah, more all of them in that scientific support role. Did you ever hear the the demand that social media has for giving Wu his own show? Or wait, what was it? It was no, I think it was Wu and Darcy. Maybe it was two of them, but giving giving them their own show where it's more like they're invest, kind of like an X Files type <laughs> show where they're investigating all this mutants superhero type weird anomalies that go on that would i like weird. that i like that take x-files show yeah. with those two that could be fun yeah and then they could introduce a lot of small time characters from the marvel universe with one-off shows which the, yeah they've done that in the past i haven't really watched very many of those other ones but yeah. they've, they've had those sort of minor characters take front center stage in the shows i had one one final thing on this episode of WandaVision was I did really like the goodbye scene with the children in Wanda and, and, and Vision because she had to, she knew she, she was putting the bed, she was putting her children to bed and she knew that um, she was actually saying goodbye to them and she knew it was, it was at that point she had to shut down the, the hex but she was going to lose her family so I thought it was pretty touching. That was definitely touching. Uh, she put a lot of emotion in that. Obviously Vision's character doesn't have tons of emotion I mean by design. But but that's what I mean when they're on screen together, like it, you really, those are always the moments that like, I don't know. Those are my favorite moments in the, in the series. I did like the, I was, I liked the twins. Like kind of, not that I want, you know, two 12 year olds running around the MCU fighting bad guys, but they were <laughs> like the, the characters and the actors were played it off pretty well. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to have like introduced the type of like Superboy kid quicksilver or something on the team so in the end wandavision's over uh i enjoyed it i'll rewatch it all now that it's all done up i'm excited for the next shows out of all the new marvel shows i don't i don't i don't know if i'm like super excited for any of them the way i was for wandavision but 
I'm sure that based on this, I'm sure they'll be pretty damn good. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> like I, yeah. I was, I was, uh, I thought WandaVision looked pretty good going in like, and I thought it, it was enjoyable while I was watching it, but I'll probably not revisit it. And I'm a little cautious, cautious cautiously optimistic about the future MCU movies or, or TV shows because of this, how this one played out. Like there's too much of the um, mystery box set up and then sort of moving the goalposts where it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. On to the next one, on to the next show, the next movie. So I, I wanted a like a self-contained show that, you know, really... I don't know, came together structurally, but this one I did, never felt like it really did. But it was enjoyable while I was watching it. Yeah, see, that'll be hard too, is because you know that these are all just setups for the movies, you know? So most of the shows, Loki and Falcon and Winter Soldier, they'll probably all end in a, in a similar type fashion where it's like, eh, it's just filler for the movies. This sounds like my nightmare. I'm, yeah. I, I hope that's not the case, but okay. <laughs> so- <laughs> That's where like a the 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 woo show would be a self-contained show and like the what if series, I guess, would be self-contained in, in nature. But yeah, I think the rest of them are all just tie ins. So it'll be unsatisfying to a certain extent until you get all those movies. And like <laughs> that's what sucks when you're talking about you're going through the Marvel marathon right now going through uh, chronologically. So in the next series, once we get another 10, 15 movies coming out, like now we have to put WandaVision into that sequence probably. And so now you have to watch the show and then this movie and then that show and then these two movies and then oh, that's going to be crazy. Yeah. Um, for, our, for our listeners, I am watching the Marvel movies in chronological order, which is fun. But yeah, if I do that ever again, which probably... I won't. <laughs> I think that's a, this is a one-off for me, uh, so I won't have to run into inserting WandaVision or the other shows at you know their respected time order. Okay, so I think that'll wrap up uh, WandaVision, the series. So on to our next topic: Re- reboots and remakes and revivals. Maybe a little. Probably what we'll get into. What uh? What what is your take on? I don't know the definition or overall appeal or distaste for reboots and remakes okay so wow okay there there was like three questions (laughs) in one there so um when i was thinking about reboots and remakes um you know i just started going down you know thinking of of these different types of movies that would fall in one in one of these categories and i was like what the hell's the difference right so i i ended up defining a reboot as a movie made that took from a previous movie and the reboot was successful. Like I liked it where I considered a remake. Mostly, uh, most of the time it would be like uh, a very close resemblance of the original movie and it was just updated. And so to me, it was like a failure. So I considered the failure, you know, not something not good is a remake and something that was good was a reboot, like as a positive <laughs> note. And then what, what was the third um, Re- a item? revival? Revival. So I, I would, I guess I would mush that into a reboot, but maybe you have something, um, you were thinking something else when, when you uh, said revival. What, is, what does that mean to you? You know, with revival, I, mean, I hadn't really thought too much of it until yesterday, but uh, because these all cross lines and seems like there's no direct definition, a revival could be almost like 
I don't know, th- things where, like, there's going to be a sequel to The Matrix 3, and but is it, I mean, I would consider that maybe a revival because it's been so long. Mm, so it's okay. that idea of taking a, a previous, uh, even Star Wars, I guess, can be considered a revival because there's it's just so long in between Avatar, the, all the new Avatars, I would probably consider a revival of the series. Ghostbusters Afterlife that's coming out, I see that more as a revival, whereas the previous Ghostbusters one would be a reboot to me, not a remake. This sounds like a pretty loose definition here, which is probably why it's hard to near or, or zero in. I, I think I get what you mean by the revival because I, I was thinking in um, you know doing some research for this topic, reboots and remakes. You know, I came across the movie uh, Blade Runner because then they had a sequel, Blade Runner twenty forty six, but so and that was thirty years in between. But I think that would fall at least under your definition here as more of a revival. But so it's a sequel that happens at a very long period of time in between but i think because like for instance like the matrix and the blade runner movie it's using at least some of the cast from the previous ones so it still falls into that sequel area but you're you're slightly changing it to to the naming here to to call it a revival because of the period in between which i think that makes sense because you know usually it's Sorry, usually a sequel is like what two, three years later, max, maybe you know, like a true sequel, I guess. So, right, and I think that the main thing that I think of in a Hollywood sense is they're going for money. All all three of these topics, I feel, are just money grabs for something. They are there to make money. That's true. Yeah, so some of them go as far as to be like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Child's Play and remake it," and because they want to make more money off of that particular thing. Whereas they should have probably just did a revival as opposed to a remake. Uh, cause it was a terrible remake. So they take the original, a remake is they take the original story and literally remake it the same way. Yeah. That's what I would describe it as. slightly different. Yep. Right. So a re, I don't know. Yeah. See, that's the thing. A reboot, a reboot. Like in this case, I think they even, I mean, just, Sorry, I probably should have picked a different movie to compare, but (laughs) (laughs) Child's Play. uh, Like the idea of the first one, it was uh, a kid named Andy and then Chucky. So a remake, there's still Andy and there's still Chucky. But in a reboot, maybe it's Sally and Chucky. You know, like they change it enough to make it a reboot as opposed to trying to actually script out the whole thing the same way it was before. Yeah, I think we're on the same page here in that okay. the remake is taking um, is a lot of some of these were like shot for shot, like the remake, yeah. right? It's just like mm-hmm. updated uh, tech, updated actors and actresses. And that's where I think it's like, yeah, that's like no brain, you know, reboot or uh, not reboot, sorry, remake that, you know, it's just like bottom of the barrel kind of thing. You know, they're, they're definitely just trying to like capitalize on the property. Where like with the reboot, it's like okay, this old idea or old your know, previous idea was really good, but we don't want to remake it. We want to build upon what was there, and that's that's where the reboot comes in. And so we're gonna try and build upon something and make it you know better or or just as good. I think is sometimes not, but but I think when a, something like that happens and it's successful, that's what makes it a reboot because you're reinterested on that previous idea. Yeah. And then with the revival, 
it's like the same mentality for the studios, but it like it is technically a sequel, but it's just like, hey, let's go readdress that now that it's been 20, 30 years. Uh, it, like even the Halloween kills, we know Halloween 2015, I would consider a revival of the Halloween franchise. Jimmy Lee Curtis is back in it. Yep, I would agree. I would agree. I don't even remember how that one's all messed up too. It's probably a bad example because it's not a sequel. So that yeah, that's the basis of what we're going to talk about, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that's yeah. that's how I took it. I I didn't quite have that third category, but I think it makes sense to bring it up as a revival because it is slightly something different. Yeah. Okay, so if we start with, um, I mean, we've already started, but what's like, what would be your example of perhaps like the best um, reboot? I don't know if you're prepared to answer that or or what's at the top of your list. How about, how about I'll make it a little bit, I'll lower the the, um, bar a little bit and just say what's, what's at the top of your list here that, that you have for reboots? Some, some listeners will hate that I say this. (laughs) Maybe I'm one of them. The very first movie that even made me start thinking of this concept of reboots and remakes and everything was the evil dead. Oh, okay. And the newer evil dead I thought was, you know, structurally and production wise way better than the original. Obviously the original has, you know, cult following. It has this place. It's a purpose, but that was a, an, idea of what I would think is a good remake is that Sam Remy made that with really low budget. He was very creative. It it was fun, good movie, but now we're going to modernize it, take it up a notch. And they did so well that I think it is an exceptional movie. Evil Dead. So this is actually an interesting one because uh, the original Evil Dead, there's um, three movies in that series. And but if we look at the original Evil Dead, like I know a lot of people when they think of the Evil Dead series, they think of like the goofy horror side. But that really doesn't come into play until the second, the sequel. Yeah. But the, the first one is played across as a much more um, horror element of it. And I, I think you could almost argue that the sequel, Sam Raimi's sequel to Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 is really just a remake of the first one, but they threw in more comedy. <laughs> yeah. So what you're talking about is the, I forget what year it came out, but it's the last 10 years or so, they redid the original Evil Dead and they played it as a straight horror movie and they really played into those elements, right? I think is, is that's why you like it. So I, it, it, I think that's a unique one because they're, um, they're playing upon the original horror version, not the comedic versions that, that come later. Which they did do a good job on, on the on the the one you're talking about. I I do agree with that. Yeah, it's, and they they abandoned it after that, and they weren't going to try and continue it in any way. And that's a good example of the three topics. So I consider that a reboot. And then they, you know, oh well, I, I thought it hit well, whatever. But now they're doing a new Evil Dead, right? That's going to take place in the city, but that is more of a revival because they're going back to like the original story with people i think like i think even bruce campbell's in it i don't totally remember but by our definition from the top if bruce campbell's back then yeah that would be the revival so like an evil dead 4 almost right and even after the evil dead reboot they created the ash versus evil dead show so they decided to switch from reboot to revival so that's a i guess that's a good movie franchise to wrap some of those up into I never did finish the series, but it was fun. Yeah, me neither. I, I am a big fan of the Evil Dead movies, all, all of them. So, 
So yeah, that would probably be my top uh, reboot. What, what do you think? The top one? Okay. Yeah. My, my top one is the uh, Mad Max franchise. And uh-huh. that there's uh, what the um, original Mad Max and then the Road Warrior and then um, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And then the more recent, although it's five years old now, is Mad Max Fury Road. But so I like grew up loving the Mad Max series and particularly uh, the Road Warrior. I think that's the best one in, in the originals. And so with having them, you know, for a lot of years they were talking about, you know, doing a sequel to those movies with Mel Gibson, but I think, you know, he sort of fell out of favor and he got a little bit older. And so then um, George Miller decided to move on and do what I think we're calling is, is, a, is a reboot with Mad Max Fury Road. And I was pretty, I, I think, I, I know I've talked to you about this before, but I don't know if I've talked about it on on the podcast but going into Mad Max Fury Road I was like really excited because I you know I like I said I was I grew up with that series and was you know really looking forward to it I went and saw it with my girlfriend who was like uh this movie looks kind of (laughs) stupid you know like she didn't have this she didn't watch the original ones and so she didn't really um you know have have that nostalgia to play upon you know going into this this reboot but having watched Mad Max Fury Road the um they did this pretty cool thing where they have the Mad Max character, but then they also have another character, Furiosa, who I guess you could consider those two characters like um, uh, like uh, dual mains characters, but really it's Furiosa's movie, right? And I think this was cool because it was, you know, sort of um, still in the Mad Max universe, but they also created a new character, Furiosa, which works just as good. And she's basically the female Mad Max character. And so it was cool to have, you know, you know, these dueling identities in the same movie. And it shows that it doesn't really matter if it's a male or female character. It both it really works if the movie is is really good. And I think this is one of the best action movies ever made. And I think this is one of my favorite movies made in the last 20 years. So I think this is like reboot to the extreme i'm a little bit pissed off we haven't gotten any more of these movies but if we just get this one i'm completely satisfied with it because it it was it is really good yeah i wasn't too into the original mad max i mean i've seen them all and everything but fury road is an amazing movie and i was actually trying to get one of the boys to watch that uh past couple weeks here and they wouldn't of course it's so well shot like the coloring right like it looks amazing yeah it is I was I was reading someone saying how if they tried to do the stuff that they um, do in in Fury Road, if they tried to do that, like when the Road Warrior came out, like people would have died. Like <laughs> just like it wouldn't be possible, you know. So I think it's a good example of technology and practical effects um, coming together to to make something like really unique, um, some really unique uh, action sequences. That pretty good. Yeah, I was watching. I was watching the Fast and the Furious the other day, and it made me think of Gone in sixty seconds, and because that's a remake of a nineteen seventy four movie, Gone in sixty seconds, and that is a, a remake because it's the same story and all <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff, Eleanor, all that stuff. But I pulled up the the original movie on YouTube and watched the chase scenes in that. I'm like, yeah, man, that's like those were the best chase scenes of that time, but there's pale in comparison to what we can do now. So some yeah. of the remakes like that are, are acceptable for the new technology. 
I, so I will say that even if I watch The Road Warrior now, it's still really fun because I mean that movie is pretty unique in that they did a lot of, you know, they did all of those things. Like it's not, there's no computer or anything. Like they're actually flipping cars and it's really extravagant for when it came out, I think. And, and it, it, I think the structure of that, of those movies, that, like George Miller really knows what he's doing when it comes to action sequences. So it's no... You know, it's not to anyone's surprise that Mad Max Fury Road is also amazing or even better than his his original intent. But even I think he even was talking about how he wanted to revisit that um, universe because, you know, it's just the technology had come farther, you know, that he could do more. So he he, he thought there was more room to uh, maneuver and he, he was right. Another movie I had, and I guess I guess we didn't touch on this either, is like one of one reason I don't like reboots and remakes for the most part is because again, for like probably the past decade, maybe a little bit longer, it's like Hollywood is relying on this. They have (laughs) no good new ideas and kind of like in the video game world. And it's always important to come up with new IP, uh, new original content to make games as opposed to just here's call of duty 17. And, Hollywood has seemingly been doing that for quite a while. And it's gotten so ridiculous that like a movie that's coming out this year, the suicide squad is a reboot of a movie that just came out <laughs> like what, four years ago. And it's not a sequel. Is that, is that no, not... the reboot? Are yeah. you serious? Yeah. Isn't it, doesn't it have some of the same characters like actors? It, well, it does because oh, okay. that's who's in the suicide squad. But it's considered a soft reboot. Oh, soft uh, reboot. We're in, we're in a new territory now. Yeah, I don't know the total <laughs> definition of that, but uh, yeah, that's not considered a sequel. Like, it was, are they so, ignoring the previous one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that. the fact that they brought Margot Robbie. I think I think Rick Flag and Margot Robbie are the only ones that are back hmm. as their characters, but supposedly it's a yeah. It's all fresh, but that's what I'm talking about. It's like so. There's been a couple other movies now, and of course, I can't. I didn't write them down. And I can't think of them off the top of my head. But you're talking about like crappy remakes. Yeah, like movies that were made in the past 20 years do not need to be rebooted and remade right now. Like, yeah, there was some egregious ones in here. I thought I, I do have a list of these. If if you need some, I I, I can go. maybe. Um, there was the uh, Total Recall remake. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, totally re- the original Total Recall is with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I, I'm forgetting the director of, the, of that, but, like, it's a pretty bonkers movie, you know? And I think it only works because it when it came out and the creators of it and it has Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, but then the remake was like, okay, I know it's a cool story, but it, 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 it didn't, it was a miss. It didn't need to be made, <laughs> it, right? Yep. And another one was um, Point Break. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? How do you, you cannot make like, like that movie is so like ridiculously stupid that it's awesome. I don't know how you, you can't recreate that, right? Like you, Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze and Catherine, Catherine Bigelow, Bigelow was the director. Like, I don't know how you like that formula. You just can't recreate. And they tried to, and it was just, no, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. I was going to talk about this in the future, but now that we brought up point break, <laughs> you can recreate it because the fast and the furious is point break. Sure. Okay. So, so I, I think I think that's like a uh, um, 
spiritual successor, right? Of, of it. Like and the that, that would yeah. that would definitely fall in like a reboot, but I don't think it's exactly pulling from the point break universe, but it's definitely that kind of uh idea of like ridiculously dumb fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was the that one. I don't I don't even think I watched that, the new one. I'm like, nope, I don't need to watch that. I don't yeah, it, it was not good. Miami Vice. Well I guess that's not as a remake of a show though. Okay, hold up. Hold up there. Okay. So <laughs> I am a huge fan of Miami Vice TV show. I don't I don't know if you've seen that or if you remember yeah. that, but it it's uh-huh. it's incredible TV show. And uh, Michael Mann was the the driving force behind the TV show. And he also did the movie with Colin Farrell, um, the and uh, Jamie Foxx. Like and I actually really like that movie, which I know <laughs> a lot of people don't. And it didn't have you know, there was quite a bit of a difference between the TV show and the movie. And that the TV show, it was in the 80s, so it had that 80s flair and ridiculousness. And um, the movie didn't quite have that. So I think there was a, it was a little bit jarring. But I think it's actually a good example of a reboot in that it's not trying to do exactly what the original was doing. But it is a cop, you know, movie, you know, so it, it has a lot of the same themes. But I, I, I will fight for uh, the, the Miami Vice movie. I, I enjoyed it. I thought, I don't know if you saw this one, but I thought this was kind of the most daring and egregious one was when they tried to remake the movie Ben-Hur, which mm-hmm. the original it was with Charlton Heston and like it was like they don't make movies like that anymore, right? Like the, like all yeah. the sets and all the people, like that's like two scale and you know, it's all in the movie. And then they try to redo it in with, I don't think with as much uh, like gusto as the original. And so it's just like, I, I don't, I don't know. That's just not something you remake. I don't think. Yeah. I, I didn't see the remake one either. Again, yeah. I try to avoid them, but that <laughs> Jesus, didn't make I, me think. I'm sorry. I've watched a lot of shit movies here is what we're <laughs> finding out. Right. And see, that's, that's, uh, yeah, it's kind of bad because I'm ripping on something that a lot of them I haven't seen, but I haven't seen them because I know that well, usually not going to turn out well. That's the mo for a reboot. For yeah, it's kind part. of an, it's kind of an annoying thing, right? Because you're like, okay, this is a remake. Is it is it going to be the reboot status or is it going to be the remake status? Like this right. looks like the remake status, so I'm going to skip it. But it, then you won't know unless you do see it if it's any good. Because sometimes maybe one out of a hundred they actually make something that's worthwhile. Or, or not yeah and, and to an extent like i guess this is an idea too about reboots and what i have a problem with it is that for point break right i'm not gonna waste you know hour and a half two hours watching a remake when i can watch the original and the original is good and doesn't need to be remade and i love it so i'll just watch the original mm-hmm. so that's why i kind of avoid some reboots in that manner like doesn't need to be remade i'm someone who always tries to watch a movie at least once because i need to know but it doesn't take away from what you're saying and that it's difficult to get through some of that because of how horrible they are. And like, there's, there's been a lot of um, remakes that are like shot for shot. And it's weird. Like a lot of the Disney movies, right? Like, oh, they, they redid a lot of the animated ones to the CGI versions and they are shot for shot. And it's just kind of like, why are you redoing this? Like this, I guess this is still a good movie because the original was, but it's kind of weird. Like the updated version. So that's what I, actually it was a year ago yesterday that I had watched the Lion King because it popped up in my Facebook memories uh, from a rant I went on last year about how fucking terrible it was. But, but that, that, I, yeah, no, I'm I'm just asking you about like it being terrible. Like it's weird though, right? Because like I 
I think they're good movies, but yeah. them just redoing it just seems so odd that you're like, yeah, this is bad. Like what? This is the same movie. So why are yeah. you doing it? It's like, it's a confusing thing, right? Like it's, 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 it was a beautiful production. If you came up with an original idea and use that, or even the concept of rebooting where it's just, you're, you're just expanding or revival and expand upon it. But yeah, they literally tried a shot for shot, but then altered enough of it to make it annoying. And yeah, that was just a total fault or fail. And most of those remakes are fail like that too, but, or yeah, reboots or remakes from Disney or another one is Charlie's Angels. So Charlie's Angels was the TV show and then was made into a movie, uh, two movies, right? With maybe more, I, I don't know. Yeah. Drew Barrymore. I think there was two. It might have been three, but I think there's two. And now it's been remade again, <laughs> directed by Elizabeth Banks. And it didn't, it wasn't well received at all. And people were complaining about that. But it's like, yo, man, like those weren't very old in the first place. You don't need to remake them. And it's just, don't remake stuff. Make up a new... You know, Elizabeth Banks had an outcry and saying the reason why I failed is because of white males. And it's like, no, it's just, I want to watch Charlie's Angels, but I'll watch the original one, and I'd like to see a new movie. Like, you could have made a new spy movie. Why did it have to be Charlie's Angels? And that's what I have a problem with. I would make the argument here that I was never... This is, I'm not, I think Elizabeth Banks' argument is that like we are not the target audience, which I yeah. would agree with because I don't really like the TV show. I don't like the Cameron Diaz version and I don't like the new version. Like I, it's just not for me. Like I don't care about that series. So it's, it, but it is weird that it's a remake of a remake. That's, it's a bit bold. And I think it would have been totally awesome if it was just not Charlie's Angels. Well, okay. So th- this is where, um, okay. So th- I, th- I think at uh, this point, like, I'm trying to think of an actual, I guess I'd define a remake as a movie that um, takes an old idea and just remakes it and is not successful. So I don't have an example of a good remake, right? Because I'm th- saying that as the scenario was where they're not good. Like this is the thing that we're talking about that is they, they shouldn't do. Like I don't want to see that. So um, when you say like you're fine if it was just not Charlie's Angels, I'm fine with it as long as it's a good movie. Like, I don't want to just, you know, watch a female spy movie and be like, you know, I think that, I think you were agreeing with that, but I just wanted to make it clear that like, I mean, a bad movie can be bad, bad. It doesn't necessarily have to be from a remake or not. Yeah. But I mean, to an extent, like I get, I do, I don't know. Yeah. I'll watch shit forever, but at the same time, I don't like watching shit forever. Like James Bond, like, yeah, James Bond is great, but what are they on? like 31 now and i don't really give a shit anymore 20s i think they're in the 20s yeah i'm I'm really into the james bond ones especially the daniel craig ones i think they've taken that series to uh new heights with with that especially what was the uh, skyfall that movie was amazing alien would be a good example of of kind of remaking itself in a way uh because it was kind of teetering out uh, in the original run of the series and now like Prometheus and Covenant has reworked it enough to be different, you know, not follow the same type of structure. I know you'll have more opinion on that <laughs> alien, but uh, you have to, yeah, this is, no, this is a good one to bring up because yeah, the, the fact that Prometheus is so much different than like an, a, a normal alien fan would probably not even like Prometheus. Right? Um, Right. Uh, I, 
I, are you considering me a normal alien fan? Is, are well, you no, asking me that question? Okay. No, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a crazy one. Probably wouldn't even recognize it as an alien movie. I see. If they didn't I watch see. the whole thing. Yeah. Because it's so different. Yeah. I, li- I really like Alien and Aliens, first two in the series. And then I do think Prometheus is interesting enough. And I think uh, Covenant is as well. And um, everything else uh, would be <laughs> what I back to the remake thing, like totally unnecessary. Um, outings in the alien universe but I, I think i'm on board with you on prometheus and covenant it's a that's the way you reboot it it's not necessarily the same same thing yeah i can't even describe why but like i love prometheus i and i don't know it's great i think it brings up some pretty interesting ideas i don't think it quite hit it out of the park but i i, I do i do enjoy watching it sorry what what uh what, what? Do you have anything on your list that's an actual good remake in the category of what we would say a remake? Is? Well, the way I had to, the way I defined it, no, like re, like like <laughs> I don't I don't consider it a remake if it if it's good, right? Oh, <laughs> like right, right. That, that's a reboot yeah, yeah. to me. Like I'm I'm thinking of um, like I'm looking at my list here and I have uh, two pretty big properties, and the first one is the the King Kong property like and this is a little bit maybe this is a little bit different too though because i really like the 1933 version like i i know it's really old and it looks old but i i really enjoy that movie and there's a lot there are a lot of movies in this um by uh franchise or, or, or property but i'm gonna skip over to the 1970s one king kong which i uh do not like <laughs> like it's horrible <laughs> like that's a remake where it's like mm, i don't think you need to do that like i, I don't know if you watched that one with jeff bridges do you know that or if yeah. you remember it but like the whole yeah. premise of that one is that um a corporation um finds like skull island and they want to go there to get like oil out of it because it's like you know never been touched before and then jeff bridges character comes on board um and he's like an environmentalist, so he wants to thwart their <laughs> their oil-seeking properties, whatever. And then you know, there's King Kong in there, and it's just ah, it's, it's it's so fucking weird and, and stupid that. But then I really like um, Peter Jackson's King Kong. Like I I I mean, his three-hour epic, right? Of of King Kong. I think there's even a longer version, maybe. Yeah. So th- this is like an up and down one, right? Where where I think it has. Uh, a solid source in the original and then a crappy remake and then a pretty good reboot because then um they have a even a second tier reboot with uh or second tier a second reboot with the kong Mm. uh, skull island which um i don't think i like it as much as peter jackson's king kong but i still think it does what it's trying to really well it has a really cool style about it so yeah that's it because right the peter jackson one is not considered into the current monster universe with Kong and Godzilla yet Skull Island. It uses very similar stuff from Peter Jackson. So it's almost and that. Maybe that's the the idea of a soft reboot. Maybe with the suicide squad, I'll work on that too, but yeah, hopeful for that then. Right. Where you could almost consider it connected, but they decided to say it separate. So, yeah, Peter Jackson's King Kong does something a little different than the any other version is that they sort of make his size a little bit different and they did there was a um uh there was a choice that they made so that it, you know 
he could be a little closer to the human characters and make it a little bit more um, uh, dramatic that way. Like, because if he's too big, like he can't really interact with the humans. Where a lot of the uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong is interacting with humans, so it's pretty good. It's a pretty good choice. One other um, large property is it's similar to the King Kong, I guess, in that I really like the originals, and then some of the reboots is the uh, Planet of the Apes. Like um, growing up, yeah. I really I was really into, especially the first Planet of the Apes movie, the Charlton Heston one. But there, there's some. I, th- I think the second um, movie, which I, I'm forgetting. I think it's beyond Planet of the Apes, but I think there's like four more after that or something that are, um, they get, you know, diminishing returns. But I really did enjoy those first couple because of how unique they are. It's a, it's a good property. And then um, there's another dip, I think, in the Tim Burton version in 2001 with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Like, I completely hate that version. But then they came out with uh, uh, the Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and war for the planet of the apes and i really was into all three of those that that newer rebooted trilogy so i don't think i saw the the third one but the other two yeah those are really good yeah um caesar is home you know those are good reboots yeah that that movie when i went and saw rise of the planet of the apes in the theater that summer when it came out i think it's 2010 or 11 somewhere in there it was one of those where like a little bit iffy and then I came out like singing its praise because it was, you know, it exceeded my expectations so much. I think it was a, it was a really fun movie that summer. I think you, I, I have more. I don't know if you wanted me to keep going or not, or if you have, if you want to go right here. No, I mean, keep going because that might spark more stuff. Uh, okay. So, so another one, uh, um, I sort of just have down in my notes as uh, Westerns and cause they uh, remake a lot of Westerns and, um, particularly for me, the, it, this is, um, this movie or movies that, that there is a, a Japanese samurai movie called Yojimbo and this is a Akira Kurosawa movie and it was then remade, um, as uh, a fistful of dollars with Clint Eastwood. And this was, this was like the first really big spaghetti Western. And I think the cool thing here is that Kurosawa was, um, and he's, he's obviously he's, he's Japanese, but he was really influenced by American cinema and like the John Ford Westerns. So that's where, you know, Yojimbo and Seven Samurai, you know, that's where he's pulling from is, is these uh, Western movies. And then his movies get, you know, remade into Westerns. But I like both versions here. Like I like Yojimbo and I like A Fistful of Dollars and I like a lot of the spaghetti Westerns that are that are remade. Um from their samurai origins and i'm sure they go it goes um other ways too but i mean it's sort of like a full circle here of uh influences and remakes or or, or, or uh, reboots and um it i don't know i i, I just like that i think the samurai um genre and the western genre really meld well together and there's like a whole slew of these movies that that do this and yojimbo and just full of dollars are are two of them or one one of them yeah, Samurais and Cowboys. Very similar. I wonder <laughs> yeah. if they ever made a movie called that. You remember there's Cowboys vs. Aliens? They have Cowboys vs. Samurai. <laughs> yeah. That'd be funny. For Westerns, like one of the old Westerns I loved was Westworld. And then they ended up turning that. I mean, I guess it's not really a reboot, but sort of is. It's old property. Yeah. And they turned it into a TV series, which unfortunately 
I keep trying to get into and watching, <laughs> but I only make it a couple episodes in and, and falter out. So I was really into that series. I think it I think that's a reboot for me that I think that they uh take the um source material and, and really go in a different direction with it. it. It starts off similar, but I think it really goes to new heights in the TV show. Uh side note, Sanjiro I think has one of the best endings and um sword fights in like cinema history. If if you haven't seen it, you should look it up on uh, YouTube or watch the movie if you if you are into samurai movies. But if you don't want to watch the whole thing, you should watch the the end samurai uh, fight. It's really cool. Two other good examples of a revival. Uh, yeah, because they weren't really rebooted, but revivals would have been Jumanji series mm-hmm. and uh, Jurassic World, Jurassic Park, whatever. Really oh yes oh it. yes i like this i like where this is going <laughs> those two within the past decade came out and I mean, to me the original i mean those were the originals were awesome and the revivals are awesome all right i'm gonna i'm gonna separate these two yeah um so the jumanji i do think the original with uh robin williams right i think it is fun but i think um with when you're saying like the the revival like sort of uh, builds upon uh Jumanji is is uh, the updates in technology really help the the sequel or the the newer ones right because like with the original Jumanji it's sort of there but I think you can do so much more now that I think it's uh, I think it was warranted in, yeah. in that regard it really helped it for for Jumanji as well that's a good thought of a you ever seen Zathura oh yeah yep. yeah so what would that really be considered <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a totally separate movie, but it's really Jumanji, but the space version of Jumanji. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's, <laughs> you could almost make, call that a ripoff, right? Like, I feel like that's, it's, it's a pretty good movie, but it's very similar to how Jumanji works. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember looking into that. I, I guess I always assumed that it was like the same people that, you know, produced it and brought it to light. But and that's John not. Barbara that did the, he directed it. I do like that movie too. Okay, yeah, what about uh, Jurassic Park? Okay, okay. So I think the original, yeah, the original Jurassic Park is like one of my favorite movies ever made. Mm-hmm. And while in the new series is enjoyable, I feel like it's unnecessary in that I feel like the original movie is so good, I could just watch that and skip the uh, the new trilogies. And, and so it, it's kind of, I don't know, it. It you know what this is this is borderline reboot remake for me I I would say like I I definitely think they're fun to watch they were fun to watch in the theater but I just don't feel like they were necessary so I don't know yeah I have to say Jurassic Park and then the Lost World I like I don't really like three no oh, it's horrible and it's then so Jurassic horrible. World I liked and Jurassic World Dominion I like can't even remember. Like, I remember bits and pieces of it, but I don't remember much more of that. Uh, and supposedly, because uh, one of the kids is, like, heavy into the dinosaurs and Jurassic <laughs> stuff, so he's watching, like, hour and a half Jurassic Park YouTube videos that explains everything. And so I learned a lot of that. But the third one is supposed to be very different and supposed to wrap up all six movies together. So that's something. Yeah, because they're bringing to. back some of the other characters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. this is this is one of those juggling acts of what is it remake reboot? It's the same universe, I guess. I guess it is. Um, 
like a uh, sequel in timeline, right? Like it is t- does take place in the same universe. Yeah, yeah, they're all connected in that regard. Uh, I mean, the books only existed for part one and two, and supposedly they were a lot different than the movies came out. Yeah, you're talking about the originals, the, yeah, the Michael the Crichton books. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was I was really into those too. I read both of those, and yeah, the um, the first one is close, but after that, it they go in completely separate directions. It yeah, it doesn't really. And I did get the explanation at some point because I've always been bothered by how Steven Spielberg dropped that shaving cream can in the movie to set up like sequels in that regard, and it never came back. To <laughs> And there's there's yes a history and story behind that as well, and he did do that on purpose, but nobody ever readdressed it. So maybe they will in the future here. But <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean you can only see. Oh look, there's a there's another island. There was there's five secret islands we keep finding every, <laughs> right, every time. Yeah, yeah. So the, third, the the sixth one is supposed to be very different uh, from the rest of them. So we'll see how that goes. But I'll root for it. But I. I think after the first one, it's kind of, I don't know. You, you don't really need much after the first one, I don't think. It, it's, it really came together. But yeah, hopefully after the sixth, they just let it die. And, you know, we can watch it for the next 40 years if we want to without another remake or reboot or revival. You know, last week we were talking about um, reaction shots, and we did mention Spielberg. And I was thinking particularly about Jurassic Park when they uh, introduced the dinosaurs for the first time. And they, he, like Spielberg tracks, right? Like the Jeep pulls up and they're like, you know, they're looking over like the valley and they see the dinosaurs like in herds. And, but they sort of zoom in on Dr. Grant's face and then he sort of stands up and it tracks up and it's his reaction to do what he's seeing before you even see the dinosaur. And it really sells the moment. And oh, especially yeah. now because the CG is not as good, you know, because it was 92 <laughs> or 93. So mm-hmm. the CG is a little wonky. But because his reaction is so good, you still believe it. And you still believe that there's actually dinosaurs on screen. So, yeah, you, you get that tension in that moment. And you're like, what do you what do you see? I, yeah. I want to see it. Yeah, what is he looking me. at? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I have uh, one TV show here that I'm really fond of the the seat, the rebooted version of uh, Battlestar Galactica. I think oh, they yeah. took that the new heights in that. Like I think the original was only two seasons, and it was on when I was like really young. But it's it's mostly dumb. But I think the the updated version they made a lot of good choices, and I think the you know um, having Edward James almost star in it, like he was a really good. Um, center of, of that show like and i mean all the good all the actors are really good but I, I really liked his performance in it and i think each each season each season they um built upon you know every previous season in an in a interesting way except for the finale kind of crapped out but um I, I do think it was it was the right time to reboot that and i think it was pretty successful in doing it that was my only tv show though yeah i can't think of I mean, other than like Star Trek and now that you said that one, I do remember that, but I don't, I can't think of a lot of TV shows that get rebooted. It's, I think they mostly like bomb out after the first season. Right. They're just like, nah, we don't need to redo this. This is, this is going to be hard to do. I mean, a lot of them are very similar to each other anyway. So, you know, the reboot is the same story, but huh. yeah, you have, make me think. I can't think of any. You have any, any more stuff? Uh, 
No, not really. I mean, it. When the new it movies came out, those mm-hmm. were I like. I enjoyed those just because they're modern and more terrifying than the original to me. But like other movies, like the Friday the Thirteenth reboot and Nightmare on Elm Street reboot, those weren't. They didn't make them any scarier or anything, so those weren't very good. I thought the it one was another interesting one because I think the the first movie was a good example of a reboot where it was a nice time to update that series. But the sequel, it felt like the same movie as the first movie or the first yeah. rebooted movie. And I felt like I was watching the same movie twice. And I was like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, I, I seriously couldn't tell those movies apart or tell you anything different that happens in them. Yeah, and that's a weird one because the original It was actually a mini series yeah. on TV, not really a movie. And I guess they're doing that right now as well with The Stand which that was also a made-for-TV miniseries and is now, uh, I think, on Prime or something. I feel like they're going to remake Steven Spielberg's works for or not Steven Spielberg, Steven King's works forever. Like, you're yeah. just going to keep remaking those things. <laughs> just yeah. prime grounds for that. So ultimately, I don't, I don't like the Hollywood behavior of this, and I really just wish they would... I mean, whatever. Everyone in Hollywood that's handling all this stuff, obviously they're just there too long. They need to reach out to new talent, allow new writers, or take a chance on something new as opposed to just coming back for that money grab of either nostalgia for remakes and reboots or just, I don't know. And we talked about it in the past podcast, like with Matrix, like I'm not even excited about it. I don't know. It's just too... I'm excited. I'm ready for it. (laughs) I know what you mean, though. Like, you know. Okay, so as people who watch a lot of movies throughout the year, I was thinking about like, on average, I probably watch 100 new movies a year, which to some people might seem like that's a ridiculous amount. Then to other people be like, that's it. That's all you watch. (laughs) But out of those 100, I'd probably say like five to 10 are movies that I'm like, yeah, those you you should go and watch those. Those I'm going to watch those over and over. So that's 10 percent. That's 10% of movies I watch I think are absolutely amazing. But I think this shows the risk and how difficult it is in making a really good movie. So Hollywood wants to make a lot of money so they can keep making movies. So that's why they keep going down, you know, the re the remake well. So while it feels kind of egregious to have them do this over and over again, and I don't like it, I know it's a necessity to keep the business going. But I'm with you that I think that you know, you got to find the talent and take risk on, you know, um, new and creative ideas so that you can re, uh, not recreate, but you can um, make more and more of these really compelling movies and, and original ideas that, you know, we talk about for years to come. Yes, he will have to give some time to a topic of just that. Like, we'll do a show where we'll, we'll pick out and, uh, feature a lot of the good movies or tv shows that did take risks and turned out to be really good you know within the past 10 years or something like that like how the fuck did this get made it's amazing though i can see yeah. <laughs> yep okay so what do we got next week what's what's next week's topic next week unless we change it i think we're talking about uh iconic music in uh movies and television Oh, this is going to be fun. And we already touched, I almost blurted this out when uh, you mentioned Miami Vice, but we will be talking about Miami <laughs> Vice next week. Oh, yeah. I got, I got a lot in mind, although hopefully I'll have to filter out a lot of the kids' ones. 
<laughs> okay. I think when I come up with that topic is because there's so many kids shows that we watch that it's just like those are imprinted in my head, but I'm going to keep it on a higher level. Maybe do some name that tune. <laughs> okay. I think that's it for this week. We'll see you next time. See you. See you.